1: Hello everybody and welcome back, thank you very much for joining me. Tonight I will bring you some reports from all across the UK. They were sent in to me via email or messenger and I've received them over the past couple of weeks. Reading the new reports as they come in always leaves me looking for clues within the events, any hints or tips that I can find, patterns really. Some of the experiences you will hear tonight are not only terrifying, They also leave the witness confused, scared, and at times even preyed upon. Now, the entities or beings behind these events, I feel, are sent to scare their victim and then feed on the energy that they lust after. I've also included some reports that have come in over the last week in order for you to see just how varied and unique the reports are And how many we get sent to us each week. Now in the past, you have heard me discuss energy feeders. Negative life forms that will appear in a way that will terrify you the most. My first experience is so vivid. I remember it now, as clear as day. I remember being very little. I was in my cot in my parents' room. It was the first home we'd ever lived in. I was really little and... I saw things in that room each night that would scare me so much that I would get out of my cot and climb onto my mum and dad's bed and then try and get downstairs to be with them, which is a really small terraced home. Uh, Probably Victorian, I think. Slum conditions, you'd call them now. Two rooms up, two rooms down, with an outside loo and a midden stone. Didn't have a fridge or electricity. And most folk had a coal fire and a tin bath. Now, my town was bombed heavily during the war due to us having a harbour in Docklands. So there were lots of rows of bombed houses flattened to the ground, and as kids, we'd play on them. And that was a good 18 years after the war ended. The house held no memory for me. I couldn't even tell you what it looked like, but I can tell you every single thing about what I saw in my room. One night, I was trying to avoid whatever was standing over the bed. And isn't even as a child, I remember being really angry with it. My anger would make it shrink into a tiny black ball and I could usually throw it away. But one night, that ball transformed into a typical witch shape, you know, complete with broom and pointy hat. At the time, there was a children's TV show and the main character was called Witchy Poo. The witch I was looking at then became three or four and they looked exactly like her, like she'd cloned herself. And One after the other, they'd fly frantically around the room, getting quicker and quicker, and they cackled and screamed in delight. Then one by one, they would dive on my bed and I'd try and hide from him under the blankets, I was absolutely paralysed with fear, without the words that I'd need to explain what was happening to me each night. So my parents just saw a naughty kid who never slept. But to be honest, even years later when I'd voiced my experiences, it was never heard, so I just stopped sharing or asking for help. Luckily, our first witness tonight was older than I was when she had her experience, but I would suggest every piece of that memory is just as clear now to her as it was when to me when I was a kid. I know there are hundreds of people out there like me and our next witness, and I will bring you some of their stories also. Hi Deborah, I've just read your newspaper article on the Bigfoot creatures that are reported here in the UK. I found it very interesting and I wanted to share one of my experiences with you in return. I live in a place called the Forest of Dean, so I'm surrounded by woods. The forest is an old ancient place, cattle still roam freely there, and it has a much slower pace of life. I'm 40 now and when I was a child growing up in the 80s, myself and my mum lived in an upstairs flat that was literally next door to the entrance that led into the forest. One day when I was about five years old, I remember how cold I was and that it was winter and it was Christmas time. I was in my bedroom looking out the windows and the window that looked out onto the row of houses opposite the house. There was a path that ran along the back of my garden which then led directly into the woods. I remember that it was December, it was really cold and I looked out of the window to see the decorations of our neighbours. One night I looked out, and I saw a witch. She seemed to just appear from nowhere, and I have no doubt that she came from the forest. It sounds like a complete cliché that she had a pointy black hat on, complete with a broom, and she stood right on the path. And she just stayed there, completely still, and stared up at me. I couldn't really make out her exact features but she watched me and I watched her. For what I assumed to have been at least a couple of minutes, neither of us moved. I shouted for my mum to come and see what I was seeing and she must have heard me shout for mum as she casually turned towards the forest and disappeared. I often stood by that window at night just to see if I could see her again. And I never did. Two years later, we moved from the house and nearer to the town. I've repeated this story a few times to many people growing up. But I soon realised that nobody actually believes it when you explain what happened. So I've not told a soul in possibly 20 years until today. Now, the forester Dean is not a stranger to weird experiences. And many people report UFO encrypted encounters in the forest. It's one of England's oldest woodlands and has a very special feel to it, regardless of the season. The forest is known for its wildlife and people come from miles around to see the deer that roam the forest. And there are reports in the area. One is a naked sleeping man. One man was walking his dog very early one morning and he came across a man who was naked, except for a pair of boxer shorts. The man was completely mud-covered and fast asleep on the woodland floor. The dog, who would normally have been over for a sniff, refused to carry on with the walk. In August of 2020, a man and his daughter were out in the New Forest for a summer's ride and they were confronted by what the man described as a wolf-like animal. He said, my daughter and I were cycling in a common path through the woods up to Simmons' and Jack. And we were astonished to see a wolf standing right in the middle of the pathway. We cycled closer, and it wasn't afraid of us, and it calmly trotted into the woods when we were no more than three or four metres away. I'm a dog owner and I know huskies, and this was definitely not one of them. In another part of the forest, Cinderford, um, a strange figure was seen and photographed in 2018. And it was a man who was in the forest and he saw a creature that was watching him from behind a tree. The creature used the foliage to keep itself hidden. His dog also reacted, as did the dog in the earlier report. The dog was growling, very unhappy, and the man left and returned to the car. Just this year alone, a series of whoops were reported as coming from the forest to deep. Um, and during lockdown I was contacted by a parent who'd been out with their children in the forest when they experienced strange animal noises and whoops. The whoops were described as repeated and they seemed to follow the family as they left the woodland and went back to the car. The witness stated they tried to match the whoops with native animals here in the UK via Google but they were unsuccessful at finding them out.
0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Leftovers. Or. <laughs> ch- 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 the DMV. Number 97. Or. Ch- 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 house cleaning. Or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba.
1: Chumbacasino.com. Live the Chumba life.
0: No purchase necessary. we prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Now, Simon Austin from Colford had a strange experience driving to work one morning when he was confronted by a very strange sight. Simon said he was up at 4 a.m. and was driving down Skulls Road Heading for the A436, as he approached the junction, a log or a branch was thrown at the car. Simon said, I'm in shock. I looked to my right from where the sound emitted from, and what I saw was frightening to say the least. I witnessed a creature sprinting towards me on all fours. At least that's what I thought, until it came closer. It was running on two legs, but it was very low to the floor. It resembled a dog but it had a long snout and it was much taller than a dog and very thin and I accelerated off as fast as I could. One chap wrote to me to tell me about his experiences in the new forest and he said, I camped in the forest of Dean at a place just outside of Bream. I'd woken up about 1am with what I can only describe as the loudest, most typical Bigfoot howl ever heard. I have goosebumps even writing it. By the time I got my senses together and found my phone to record it, the noise stopped. Honestly, I absolutely wet my pants. My friend, whose land I was camping on, just laughed it off as a fox. The shout was loud. It echoed through the forest. It was not a fox or any native creature that I could identify. And he went on to add, the sounds were more of a drawn-out, consistent, raging shout rather than an animalistic howl. It was just the sheer volume that confused me, he said. It echoed through the forest. Years ago, when I was a kid, I was out with a group. We were, we'd go and visit forests and woodlands all across the southwest. And one of these trips, two girls and two boys, including myself, saw a, sh- a figure run across the path about 10 metres in front of us. It ran from left to right, crossing the path and disappeared. It was fast and silent. And it was larger than us. And you could not make out any detail. And it was of completely black silhouette. He went on to add that he had a very unnerving experience. That he said you would probably call a roadside ghost encounter. Many years later when he was 19. It was as real as real could be. And he said it still affects me to this day. And honestly it scared the living crap out of me for days. I was driving along. And I saw a woman stranded by the roadside. I slowed from 60 miles an hour to nearly 10 miles an hour, as I thought the woman needed help or a lift, as there are no houses really for miles around. When I saw what should be her face, and I saw it clearly, I looked into her eyes. Well, if you could call them eyes. This part of the road is an accident black spot, he said. And if she's the reason people are killed here, That's understandable. Is it the area itself that causes all this activity? Um, A good example for this theory would be Canuck Chase, a place of many sighting reports, creatures, black-eyed children, ghosts, UFOs and werewolves and all manner of strangeness. We hear about Canuck every couple of weeks or so. It's always in the news, it's in the newspapers. But there are other areas like this in the UK so looks, let's look at some of those areas that are a good example of a place where numerous cases of activity happen. The first area I encountered where there was lots of things were being reported was in my hometown, Cluster to Hill. Seedley Park is known in certain circles as a hotbed of activity. And I've told you before about the many strange upright ape-like creatures that were seen. But that's not the only paranormal or supernatural experience in Salford that I know of. Seedy Road runs at the bottom of Buell Hill Park, and as it twists along to Langwithy Road, it passes Sandy Lane, where a yellow-eyed dog-like creature was seen by a local man about 2am as he was outside, smoking a cigar. I was recently contacted on Facebook over the last year by two further witnesses, who saw what they believe to be the Buell Hill Park Gorilla Man, or the Wild Man, as he's become known? Now, this is strange in itself, but would it surprise you to know that there are also UFO reports close to the park that seem to be following the Pennine Fault, or as it's known locally, Earlham's at Thite, which is the highest point in the area and it sits directly behind my old school. Back then, the schools were split by gender. The old boys' grammar school became Buell Hills High, and then the new buildings replaced old, and they became Pendleton College. Our next witness, who also reached out to me on Facebook, was on her way to college on the day she had her strange experience, and she said, "I had lots of unexplained experiences in my life, but the one near Beulah Park really stood out, and it's permanently stuck in my head." I was 16 at the time and my dad was really ill and undergoing treatment and I was worried sick as you can imagine. I live at the bottom of Langley Road and I used to go to Pendleton College and I'd walk there each day and the route I used would go straight up the Road and round the back of Seedley Terrace where you had to go down a long, thin, high walled, cobbled Victorian ginnel. This one morning as I was on my way I saw a little old lady who was coming the opposite way from me, walking towards me. So I moved over so she could pass by. And as we passed each other, I caught her eye and she smiled. And just as she passed, she said, Don't worry, it'll all be alright. And I was completely confused. I turned my head around to look at her and there was nobody there. She'd simply vanished. There was nowhere she could have gone. And as I said, the walls were high and she literally vanished as she walked by me. I didn't feel scared, just confused, but at ease. And I believe the lady was a local midwife who helped in my dad's birth. A few days later, I received the following account from a chap called Vinny, and he was happy to be named. And he said, Hi, Deb, I came across you by accident. I was on YouTube looking for drone footage of Salford for my son's school project, and I stumbled across your work. I've lived in Salford just as Long of the Road since being born. We've moved from house to house, but we've never left the area. When I was a kid, I was pretty lucky as we had Beulah Park up the hill and Chimney Pot Park at the bottom. Chimney Pot was our nearest. In the evenings before bonfire night, us kids would make a guy. And it was a sort of scarecrow made of old clothes and we'd stuff it with cloth and newspapers. And it usually had a mask or a balloon for her face. We'd sit outside the pubs and shops and laundrettes and we'd ask everyone for a penny for the guy as they walked in or out. And then we'd get the money together and go and divvy it up. And we'd head to the jug and bottle for toffee and crisp and even pop if it made enough. Sometimes teenagers would get cheeky and try it on and they'd nick your guy or your pennies and one night we divvied up our money and myself and my brother didn't have to be on till 9. It was pitched out by 3pm but we were used to that as kids. My brother and three mates had a good haul and full boots and we went over to the park to eat it all and talk about crap. Two lads had to be in by 8.30 so they left before us and it was really cold to be fair and my brother was moaning to go home. I stood up and brushed the leaves off myself and when i saw the other two lads coming back i was a bit confused i thought maybe the parkies had locked the gate but by the look on the faces it looked like they'd been had over sat by some bigger kids they're kind of yellowish white in colour and mumbling about a man with no face we just waited till they made sense and they're a bit calmer and both of the lads had left the park and used the west liverpool street side entrance to leave or they meant to as they turned to go down the slope they saw a figure in the bushes that looked like him. It was somebody hiding, ready to jump out on them. I said it was probably an old tramp or a dirty old man, but they both swore they got a good look at him, and he had no face and had old scraggy clothes on. So we properly took that to be honest, convinced he'd just seen some manky old tramp um, or some other kids had stashed the guy there, and that's you know they'd gone to a coffee shop on Wall Street. But they were adamant it was a man. He said they'd shifted position. So he was more concealed between the brush and the wall. It was definitely a man, but we just didn't believe him. Now, chimney Pot Park got its name because it's shaped like a chimney pot. And it was very high. The walls are really, really high. It's an old mine pit. And you have to walk up a slope on all sides. So the wall behind him would have been a good... 12, 14 feet high at that point. Some places about 30 feet tall. And it's flat, shiny brick. And they did it like that so kids wouldn't climb up it. I think it was an old pit head, as I said, at one point. And we'd dare each other to drop the wall, starting at the lowest point and seeing how far you dare to drop. He said, I was the oldest and biggest kid. Um, he said, so let's just all go out together and lift the path. And that's what we did. We didn't see anything, or anyone strange, and we took the piss out of them for years to be honest. Bommie season was real hell for them. Other than that though, I never gave it much thought. Move on a few years and I was seeing a girl who lived near the old Moses Bakery, and we'd been to the snooker club there for a few games of pool and a couple of sly shandies. And of course, I walked to home up and I'd get lucky down one of the alleys or another. We walked home slowly. We went into the turning for the park and I suggested she and I went in and played on the swings, to which she turned white and said, no, I'm never playing in there. My dad took us in there once to watch the fireworks and we saw an old tramp who had no face. She went on to explain that her dad was too stingy to pay for the big display at Beulil, so they got to Chimney Pot Park and watched from there. And to be honest, lots of folk did that. On the way out of the park, she said they saw a man who was going through the bins looking for something. He was all bundled up in clothing and his face covered with lots of cloth and scarves. He ran into the bushes when he saw that they'd seen him. I told her about my mates and what they'd seen. And she said one other girl at Guides had seen it too, but no one believed her. I married her. We now have grandkids. I never passed that park without thinking about the man. No face. <sighs> Taking this report gave me the eebie as I have played in Chimney Pot Park so many times. I took my girls when they were little and it's still there. The old terrace houses are there and cobbled streets and tile roofs and it just looks the same as it did 250 years ago. Whilst researching this report, one local asked me if I'd heard about the levitating ghost at Chimney Pot Park and I had to admit that I hadn't. I wonder if anyone out there knows anything about that. Um, Sounds like an incredibly strange spirit. If you do, would you get in touch and let me know? Now, my town's an ordinary town, as probably yours is. I think most towns in the UK are like that. And they're paranormal reports that are passed by word of mouth, but never written down or preserved. And I'd be honest to do the job for free, just to save these experiences for fading into obscurity. Now, as a kid growing up, most families in the UK would head for the coast for the family holiday and stay in a B&B or a caravan. That seemed like luxury back then. My dad would take us away as often as he could, even if it was just for one or two nights. He craved nature, like I do, and as he finished working on a Friday, he'd pack us up and take us on our next adventure. One area my family would visit and then was the northeast coast and we'd visit the small fishing villages and the coastal spots along the way. Along with a pier and a kiss me quick hat. Most holiday towns resorts here in the UK are almost exactly the same, really. And it's also an area where we get multiple types of phenomena that is reported each year. I was again contacted via Facebook by a gentleman who wanted to share a strange experience that he had. When he was younger and his family were on holiday in Bridlington. Now, Bridlington's your typical seaside town on the northeast coast. For me, memories of the area conjure up the sound and smells of the coast. So, holidays with your family, playing on the beach and the arcades, to the permanent smell of candy floss and hot dogs and seagulls dive bombing and screaming overhead. He said, My encounter happened in the summer of 97. I was 13 at the time, my mum and stepdad owned a holiday caravan in a small seaside town called Bridlington on the east. This particular day, I remember I headed back to our caravan after playing out. I must have been hungry. I reached our caravan and headed straight for the door, expecting to just walk in. But to my surprise, the door was locked. My stepfather's car was parked there, so I knew they hadn't gone far. Having found the door locked, I went round to the front of the caravan where there was a big bay window and I pressed my face against the glass just to check what they were definitely not in. I couldn't see them but I did see something strange. As I looked in through the window, I saw it. I say it, I don't really know how to describe it. It was standing next to the gas fire that we had on the right hand side of the caravan as I was looking in. It was a stereotypical looking ghost dog. It was black grey and it had an outline if that makes sense and it was a small terrier type dog like a Yorkshire terrier. I locked eyes with it and we just seemed to stare at each other for what seemed like five minutes but in reality it was probably only five seconds. What happened next was the weirdest part of all and it still haunts me to this day. After the five seconds we locked eyes and it was instantly it was there at the window. It was right at my face, barking at me aggressively. And there were two things that scared me the most about all of this. The ghost dog appeared at the window. How it appeared there. It didn't run or jump up. It just transported itself from the side of the fire to the window. And it was there in my face, as if by teleportation. And to make things even stranger, it was barking in my face, but there was no sound coming from it at all. The window was a single pane glass, so very thin glass, not soundproof. When it did this and was in my face, you can imagine how I reacted. I jumped back in blind shock and terror and it just ran away. I never had another encounter or saw this dog again. And still, to this day, I've never told me mum or my stepdad about what I saw. That must have been terrifying for this young man. You know, how do you process that event? It's hard sharing experiences. And I used to think it was the best thing to do, really, was just keep it quiet until I shared my experience and realised holding on to it, there's no help whatsoever. It never found me any answers. In fact, it just made it harder. I think the need to know overcame the fear of seeing it again, I think. And Bridlington's a short walk from the beach from the area known as Devil's Dyke and I know Paul Sinclair has written about the strange goings on that have happened there. The Yorkshire coast is a hotbed for UFO reports, werewolf sightings and all manner of paranormal spectres. Like the other areas we've spoken about tonight, the phenomena here is mixed. One case talks of a local girl and her patrol who got more than they bargained for when they went on a paranormal quest. To contact the ghost of the pale female that's seen by locals. The pale female form is said to be seen flittering around the site. The couple who went looking for her are said to have died after they caught a chill and were found dead within the month. Now the old chart pit near Flamborough has a tale of a local girl who's said to have ended up had ended her life by throwing herself into the pit. It is also said that you can summon up her spirit if you circle the pit eight times. A hundred years ago, a local farmer plucked up the courage to do just that, and the ghostly girl rose up before him and chased him all the way back to Flamborough Village. Now, the two female wraiths also walk the roads of the town. One, going by the name of Jenna, is reportedly seen wearing an old-fashioned bonnet, while the other lady possesses neither a bonnet nor a head. Now let's move to the west coast of Scotland and we'll look at the area close to Dundonald's where a very disturbing case was recently added to some of the strange and frankly worrying events that are being reported close by. Dundonald Castle is a 14th century hilltop fortified tower house and it is known for its strange shadows, lady ghosts and something unseen that spooks dog walkers in the area. I've covered these reports before in an earlier podcast, but in light of recent events, I'd like to just discuss the area itself. And for new listeners, I'll just give you a very quick recap of some of the events. Even hundreds of years ago, Dundonald Hill was said to be the home of a terrible creature, and not many dared venture out onto the hill alone or without good reason. The dogs of Dundonald Castle were said to become very restless and agitated. Excited at times while looking out towards the hill, barking and yelping. Never under any circumstances would they wander up it, or so I'm told. People have reported seeing strange creatures or hearing a haunting call. The land is awash with shadows that haunt the trees. One badly shaken man related how when walking on the hill he heard whispering voices behind him and on turning round, he saw that there was nothing there. This happened two or three times before he decided to take solace with a stiff drink in the local bar. Another man reported seeing two ghostly squat-shaped featureless shadows that were trailing him from nearby trees. These shadows then merged together as one, growing to twice its size. He then also left the hill, waiting, not waiting to see what Happened next. Now, the same entity has also been described as being able to jump straight into the branches of a tree with ease. Dundonald Hill seems to figure heavily in the minds of locals as an area to be avoided, but nobody really seems to know why. School children in Irvine have said that they dare not go up it as it's haunted, and when asked what it was haunted by, they didn't know. George is one chap who likes to spend a lot of time fishing and walking and camping around the hill and he decided to spend a night there during the summer of 93. He took along his dog who's never left his side since he was a pup and he arrived just after sunset and erected his one-man tent. After an hour or so, George saw a shadow pass by the side of his tent through the lamplight and he thought it strange that anybody would be in the area at this time of night and again the shadow looped over his tent and at this point George swears he heard a kind of rasping or breathing sound. Josephine Aldridge says she saw a red-eyed wild man on a visit to the area in 1994. While walking on the hill, a two Labrador dogs suddenly went berserk. They were actually really strange, running around in circles, growling and snapping at the air, before finally sinking back to the ground as far as they could go, but their tails tucked beneath them, crawling backwards in obvious terror. Then Josephine saw what was scaring the dogs, and she described it as this huge creature that she struggled to put into words how it appeared, and it was off to some distance to her side. She said she could see the grass of the hill through its body, but it was covered in longish charcoal-coloured hair. It made no indentations in the grass, and Josephine, on reflection, thought it ghost-like. The thing that struck the most terror was its eyes. The eyes were two long slits, which glowed a bright red, and it had two holes where the nose should have been, and it had very thick lips. In fact, it was not dissimilar to a gorilla in shape, although it stood well over ten feet tall, and two legs. All of the events at Dundonald are disturbing, to say the least, as there are other reports and experiences that we share tonight that would just creep you out. On Tuesday this week, I released a video explaining the terrible case of a lady who was found dead after being attacked by foxes. The 55-year-old was has not yet been identified had walked away from her vehicle after breaking down around Christmas time on December the 18th, the police found her car after a missing person inquiry crime was launched. The next day, police found her body close to where her car was left, using sniffer dogs. The police think a fox or a badger may be responsible for the mauling and the death as not being treated as suspicious. Now that in itself is highly suspicious. A Police Scotland spokesman said at 11.20 on Saturday the 18th of December... Police were called to a report of a possible abandoned Citroen car found on an unclassified road near Moncton. Officers attended and the initial investigation failed to trace the registered keeper and officers started a missing person inquiry. Around 4.55 on Sunday the 19th, officers searched for the missing 55-year-old woman found a body in a field. The death is not being treated as suspicious. Some of these cases... Seem to me almost engineered, you know, not by the human involved, but by the thing that's sent to scare them. The little kid, and you're looking out the window at next door neighbours, you know, decorations, and then there's a witch there. Just mind blowing, isn't it? What we see. But the thing that scares me the most is that all of these reports really go unreported, un- if you say that. Um, what was in the caravan that night that showed itself as a snarling dog to terrify that boy? What walks the streets and parks of Salford that's tall, hairy and well hidden? What beast haunts the Yorkshire coast, the River Medway Room, the Norfolk Broad, the Moors of Cornwall, the Flatlands, the Fens, Lincolnshire? We could go on. All of these places have reports of similar creatures seen outside or in the rooms of children and adults at home. Beings that can change their appearance at will. From a German soldier to a green-armed man coming through the bedroom wall. These are all events that have been reported to me. Hairy arms that reach through doorways and strange lights that feel and confuse. Crafts with bright lights that leave humans with missing time, scars and marks. And then we have the lucid dreams. And beast-like creatures that start and breathe on the necks of humans they are feeding from. Dreams that horrify us, so lucid and clear that they feel and sense as real. From old men dragging a bloody leg behind them as they walk, and they drag that leg with them as they come closer and closer to your home. Impossible beings nibbling on your hands and toes of kids and adults in their room. That paralysing fear when you realise you have no control over any of this. People talk of tunnels and underground bases that experiment and lick up fear like a child with a lollipop. The more scared the human, the better tasting they are. Imagine a room as big as you can, filled with humans, all plugged into umbilical cords connected to their livers. They're human shells, like cattle being milked for the essence that they hold. I've interviewed so many people who've had experienced this fear i had this harvesting since early childhood. Yet for others, luckily, it's a one-off event. I'm not sure how to explain it all in a way that makes it easy to understand. I did find an old journal of mine from my 20s where I'd written down my thoughts and theories as to why I was mad. I mean, I really believed I was crazy about them and that the things that happened around me were happening because of a mental health problem. I'm in my 50s now. And I know what I'm saying, as I've had every test we could run, but my thoughts and questions have never changed. A large majority of us have ongoing feeding interactions from early childhood, not as far in most cases. Faces at the window or around the door, things coming through the wall or along the hallway. I know children have vivid imaginations, but I know for certain what I saw was real, as real then as they are now. The less I feared them, the smaller they became, but they've never gone away. Many events like this are hidden in people's memories because it's just far too painful to revisit. But for others, it's a daily what the hell quest for answers. If you can identify with any of this information that you've heard tonight, please leave a comment below so all of us can see that we're not alone. In doing so, we would be creating an army or a defense of some kind against the beings that plague us. I searched for decades to find a way to make this stop. The less I feared it, the weaker it became, and I found myself getting stronger and stronger. I mean to build an army and empower each other. And now it's time for change. Until next time, good night, everybody.